today on Grace to the Hearers with Pastor Eric Kluth. What people crave, and that's exactly what takes place during envy. It's like a craving, like you want a Big Mac or something like that. You're like, two in the morning, I want a Big Mac. I will do anything I can do to get that Big Mac. You start craving it, and pretty much it. then it takes everything of your mind, and you start focusing in on that envy. And God is telling us what? Don't be envious. Because you know what? The things of this world are fading away. When Gideon returned victorious after defeating the Midianites, the Ephraimites were jealous of his success. Pastor Eric teaches us today that we can't be happy, contented, if we're envious of others. The Bible is clear that the things of this world are fading away, so we waste our time if we focus on them. Let's join Pastor Eric in the book of Judges, chapter 8, verse 1, for part one of his message entitled, What He Has, I Want. So, verses 1 through 3, I titled this section, What He Has, I Want. Now, the men of Ephraim said to him, Why have you done this to us by not calling us when you went to fight the Midianites? And they reprimanded him sharply. Verse 2, So he said to them, What have I done now in comparison with you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abiezar? And God has delivered into your hands the princes of Midian, Oreb, and Zeb. And what was I able to do in comparison with you? Then their anger toward him subsided when he said that. See, the men of Ephraim, they were angry with Gideon. They were mad at Gideon because Gideon... You just went through this huge old awesome fight scene and you're now just calling us for the, the leftovers? What, why? And they were angry because it says that they what? They reprimanded him sharply. They corrected him fiercely. And they wanted what Gideon had. They wanted the prestige of the victory, okay? But Gideon responds and puts it back in focus of what they had done. He says, what have I done? Look what you guys have done. You guys captured the two princes of Midian. I've done nothing like that. You guys captured them and killed them. You did an amazing thing. Oh, well, if you put it that way, we're not so angry anymore. You know, because, yeah, we did something pretty neat, pretty awesome. So after hearing this, the men of Ephraim were not so angry with Gideon. Now this is phenomenal because I was like, wow, God, you really corrected my heart in these first three verses personally. And you're like, well, how is that? Well, I'll tell you here in a second. Dwight L. Moody, has anybody ever heard of Dwight L. Moody before? Okay. He once told a fable of an eagle who was envious of another that could fly better than he could. Okay? One day, the bird saw a sportsman with a bow and an arrow and said to him, I wish you would bring down that eagle up there. And the man said he would if he had some feathers for his arrows. Well, the jealous eagle then pulled out one out of his wing. He says, here's my feather for your arrow because I want you to shoot that other bird down. So the guy takes it, shoots it up, misses. And then <laughs> this, the sportsman said, I need another, f- another feather for my arrow. 
So the jealous bird who saw this other eagle flying high said, here you go. And this was going over and over and over, right? Until guess what, you guys? That eagle couldn't fly away, and the sportsman went like this. <laughs> Killed him. Do you see the point? The eagle was envious of the other eagle because he could fly so much higher and he was so much greater. And the eagle was envious. The men of Ephraim were envious of the success of Gideon. And you know what? Envy is still a problem today. Billy Graham said this, I defy you to show me an envious man who is a happy man. I think Mr. Graham hit it right on the head, don't you? A person who struggles with envy is usually not happy, right? Just as we see in our text, we see that the men of Ephraim were angry with Gideon. They reprimanded him sharply. They were angry. And oftentimes we can think, if I had a nice car, then I would be happy. If I had a car like you, I would be happy then. If I had a wardrobe like you, I would be happy. Oh, uh, I think if I look like that person in the magazine, then I would be happy. If I lost 10 pounds, then I would be happy. And you know what the crazy thing is? This little thing called Facebook, it's just killer, right? And I'm on Facebook, and it's a great avenue to connect with family and friends. But sometimes, just like email, you don't know the tone behind the conversations. And so you think, hey, what this person is saying, man, well, do they think that about me? And then all of a sudden, Satan can creep in and start putting in your hearts that you're nothing, that you're worthless. But that is a lie. And to, then our hearts start to be envious and wanting what that other person has. Why are they getting all the attention? What about me? Me, me, me. And as my father-in-law said to me as we were on vacation, he goes, it's the me monster. You know, it's like, me. You know, and I'm like, ah, the me, me monster. You know? And I'm like, wow, God, is that, is that me? Because, I'll be honest, there's sometimes where I just struggle because I like to know that, that comforting word that, you know, that you're appreciated, you know? And, and so you look at your friends and you look at your family and you're seeing all these people that are pouring into them and you're like, well, what about me? What about me? Me, <laughs> you know? And it's just like, be careful because envy can creep into your heart and you can start taking and desiring what other people have. But really, the truth of the matter is, happiness is a choice. Happiness is a choice and you can be happy in Jesus Christ. You can be happy with Him. And there's a lot of different areas a person become, can become envious, but the Bible tells us that we should not be envious. Where does it tell us that? Well, in John, 1 John 2. And it says this, you guys. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Continue on in verse 16. For the world offers and only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. Verse 17, and this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. 
But anyone who does, who does what pleases God will what? Will live forever. Those verses are dynamite. And I love how the NLT writes it out because it's like what people crave. And that's exactly what takes place during envy. It's like a craving. Like you want a Big Mac or something like that. You're like, two in the morning, I want a Big Mac. I will do anything I can do to get that Big Mac. You start craving it. And pretty much it, then it takes everything of your mind and you start focusing in on that envy. And God is telling us what? Don't be envious. Because you know what? The things of this world are fading away. Your concern is to do what? Follow the Father. Do things that please Him. Man, that is just crazy. Crazy convicting for me because really when you put it in perspective, there's so many things competing for our hearts. And at the end of the day, I've got to be reminded and you have to be reminded that this world is fading away. And the things that of this world are not worth putting your heart into. The only thing that our heart is worth putting into is Jesus Christ. And so here we see a great reason not to envy. Everything to do with the flesh is going to fade away. And I love for the fact that they, the NLT put in there the pride in our own achievements. What we do, if it's not in the name of Jesus, is worthless. Because it's all about Him. Paul said this in Philippians 4.11, For I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Be content, you guys. Are we content? Are we content with the life that God has given us to live for Him? Are we content with the direction that God is giving you in your life? Are you content with it? Are you okay with it? Are you rejoicing in the life that God has given you? Church? Are you? Am I? Because if we're not focused, if we're focusing on the things of this world, those things are going to be fading away. Focus on pleasing God and God alone. Because guess what? He will never fade away. Continuing on, when Gideon came to the Jordan, he and the 300 men were, who were with him crossed over, exhausted but still in pursuit. Uh, then he said to the men of Succoth, Please give loaves of bread to the people who follow me, for they are exhausted, and I am pursuing Zalmunna, king of Midian. Crazy names. Verse 6, And the leaders of Succoth said, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna uh, now in your hand that we should give bread to, any, give bread to your army? Verse 7, So Gideon said, For this cause, when the Lord has delivered Zeba and Zemula into my hand, then I will tear your flesh with thorns of the wilderness and with briars. Then he went up from there to Penel and spoke to them in the same way. And the men of Penel answered him as the men of Succoth had answered. Verse 9, So he, so he also spoke to the men of Penel, saying, When I come back in peace, I will tear down this tower. Now Zeba and Zemuna were at Korka, and their armies with them, about 15,000, all who were left of, the, of all the army of the people of the east. For 120,000 men drew the sword, had fallen. Wow. Uh, then Gideon went up by the road of those who dwell in the tents on the east of Noba and Jogabah, and attacked the army while the camp felt secure. Now, verse 12, when Ziba and Zebunah fled, he pursued them, and he took the two kings of Midian, 
Zeba and Zelmuna and routed the whole army. Verse 13, then Gideon the son of Joash returned from the battle from the ascent of Ares and he caught a young man of a man of Succoth and interrogated him and he wrote down for him the leaders of Succoth and its elders 77 men verse 15 then he came to the men of Succoth and said here are Zeba and Zelmanu and about whom you ridiculed me saying are the hands of Zeba and Zelmina now in your hand that we should give bread to your weary men Verse 16, And he took the elders of the city and thorns of the wilderness and briars, and with them he taught the men of Succoth. He took them to the woodshed. Anyways, verse 17, Then he tore down the tower of Penel and killed the men of the city. Wow! Okay, so besides the brutal names, you get the picture of the story, okay? Gideon and his valiant 300 are still in pursuit of the rest of the Midianites, and guess what? They're humans. They're not like Arnold Schwarzenegger. They are human. They're exhausted, and they're hungry, right? And so then he goes to the people of Succoth and Penel and, and said, hey, my guys are tired and hungry. Can you feed them? And the people said they're what? No. Because are, they got, are the Midianites in your hands right now? Because until they're in your hands, then we will give you bread. But until then, we will not give you any bread. That's pretty harsh. These guys are battling, and they're hungry, and they're coming across the Jordan. And to hear that you have no support, that made Gideon angry. He was angry. He says, you know, when I come back, I'm going to take you to the wilderness with the, the briars and the thorns, and we're going to address this. And he did. He did, yeah. So Gideon defeats the Midianites and captures their kings. Then he finds that young man of Succoth and he interrogated him. I, you know, I just think of a cop you know, with a light in his face. You know, where are these guys at? Where are they at? Where are they at? He gives them over and then they go and they, they get their, their guys. <laughs> that is awesome, man. Again, the Bible's entertaining. Right? Okay. Um, it's awesome. <laughs> Okay, so then uh, Gideon then, he, he followed through with his word. Now application, there's two things that I believe that we can learn from this. Two things that I learned from this. Uh, first thing is, is support those who are involved in the Lord's work. Gideon did not ask Succoth or Penel to help fight, did he? He asked them to give them food. Right? Something, something simple. Their response again is, we will help after your success. Just because you might not be involved in a specific ministry or in a specific area does not mean that you cannot be supportive. Does not mean that you cannot support the work. And oftentimes we want to wait to see if the ministry is going to be successful before we jump in. Is God going to do something? If God's not doing anything, then I don't want to throw myself out there. I want to wait and see. But you know what? If God is stirring in your heart to get involved, get involved. Because God is doing a mighty work. Take the example of this church. There are a whole lot of things going on that God's doing here. And you don't have to wait to see the success of the ministry to get involved. You can jump in. What are the ways that we can offer support, you guys? What are ways that Christians can offer support to God's work? Number one, volunteering. You guys jump to the most important one first, prayer. <laughs> volunteering, right? 
volunteering your time. And we are so blessed with so many people volunteering here. We're so blessed. But there is always room for more. As Dale was preaching last week, you know, I was waiting, you guys, for him to say, uh, pew potatoes, right? <laughs> but we don't have that. But, you know, just can inter- encourage people to get going. If God has called you to do something, by golly, go do it, man. If it's here, if it's there, if it's in a different country, go and serve God. <laughs> you know, just, just be obedient. Support the work that God is doing. Number two, you can financially give to the work. You know, you can give financially. God has given us uh, a very abundance of money here in the United States. Uh, we are very blessed versus some of the countries in this world, you guys. And so we are blessed. So if the Lord stirs in your heart to give financially, give financially. How about encouraging words to one another? How about that? I mean, what a great concept that is. To say to a brother or sister who's doing the work of the Lord saying, Hey, you know what? I encourage you, man. You're doing awesome. Is there anything that I can do to help you? To encourage what God is doing. You know, because encouraging words goes a long ways, don't they? To be lifted up instead of being put down constantly. Because when you're in ministry, you face enough battles as it is. Why get attacked from another brother and sister? Why not be encouraged by one another and loved on? So we can encourage each other with words that edify and words that build up. And then most importantly, you guys spoiled it in the beginning, but most importantly, it's prayer. Prayer, you guys. When is the last time you prayed for one of the ministries in the church? Here in our church, when's the last time we prayed for the ministries? You know, praise God. <laughs> And I say that because even me as the pastor, I can fall into a routine where I don't specifically pray for the specific ministries and what God is doing. And so, yes, this message is really probably for me because he corrected me for the, you know, the envious. And now he's saying that I need to be praying and supporting. And, and that should be our hearts as believers in general, though, is supporting the work that God is doing. It's not what man is doing. It's what God is doing. Are you excited for what God is doing? And if you are, then by golly, show it. You know, start living it out. Start lifting each other up and praying for one another. Is that too hard? <laughs> you know, I don't think it is. Pray for one another. Because we are at war. We are at war with the enemy. Not with man, but with the principalities of darkness, you guys. And we need to be encouraging one another. We need to be supporting what God is doing because God is on a mission to save lives. And He wants you to be a part of it. Do you want to be a part of it? That is the question. By supporting God's work, this makes you a part of the work. That is the coolest thing in the world. For those who are going to like Honduras, if you're back here and you're praying, you're a part of that work. If you, if you don't even serve in the children's ministry and you're praying for them, you're a part of that work. Down at the House of Hope, if you see people coming and get their food box and you're handing out boxes of food, you're part of the work. All the blessing is not going to Dale and Rhonda. It's going to God's people who are faithfully pouring into the ministry. <laughs> you know? And, and the cool thing is, is that your rewards, your, your blessings are going to be reserved for you in heaven. Your reward is in heaven. Amen. Your blessings. God will bless you. He'll bless you here. We just need to be supportive of the work. Gideon was looking for support because the, the tribe uh, or the people of Sukkoth were the tribe of Gad. 
the tribe of Gad. And then the people of Penel, were the, that's where Jacob wrestled with God. So why couldn't they support what God was doing? Because, I mean, that's a pretty big deal, what God was doing in Judges. God's a great example of the church supporting uh, in the Bible is found in the book of Philippians in chapter 4. And I would read that on your own time, but it's a great, great chapter to see the heart of the church of Philippi support the work that God was doing through the Apostle Paul. And I mentioned before that you'll be supported by supporting God's work, right? He says, in, uh, Paul says in Philippians 4.18, he says, Indeed, I have all and abound, and abound. I am full, having received from Aphrodite the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. What a great example of a church supporting God's work and they're giving out to, giving out to Paul and the work that Paul is doing for the Lord and, and the Lord tells them, guess what? God is going to supply all your needs according to his riches and the glory by Christ Jesus. Amen, man. Support the work that God is doing, you guys. I can't say it enough. Support the work that God is doing. If God has called you here in our fellowship and this is your home church, then by golly, start you know, pouring into what God is doing, if not already. And if you're already doing it, thank you. But my thanks is nothing compared to what God has for you. you know, do it for the Lord, not for man. Okay, the second thing that we can learn is God is your support. Now, I'm flipping it on the, the, the back side of it. Now, think of Gideon. He just got rejected for food for his men. How would you be feeling? Angry? Frustrated? Still hungry? <laughs> tired and why can't I get supported why can't I get help but you know what oftentimes we can fall into this easy trap of throwing a pity party for ourselves that no one is around to help us no one is there to support us but you know what that's not true because the most powerful being in this world the Almighty God is right there by your side supporting you he will never leave you and he will never forsake you you know what was told to me when I became pastor? Uh, pastor Doug Warwick told me from Awatuki, he said, Eric, you know what? Until God raises up people around you, lean on Christ. Lean on Him. May He be your leaning post. And again, what a great word because oftentimes we can look for man to lean upon, but you have the Almighty God to lean upon. You have Jesus Christ to lean on, to pour out to you. We sang it tonight, I have a friend in Jesus use it <laughs> use your friend Jesus because he will he is the best friend a man could ever have he is our God he is our rock so <laughs> if you plan if you're planning to be involved in God's work then I really really encourage you to listen you know really encourage you to listen because there's gonna be times when you are frustrated when you are doing God's work and you just want to give up and you want to turn it all in and walk away and rather just sit in the chairs and just worship and you know what if that's that's not fine but it is fine if you get what I mean but just I encourage you guys keep going keep going keep going for the Lord keep going for him even if tough times come keep going because guess what Gideon did did he give up because he didn't get bread no, he kept his pursuit. He kept going after the Midianites. He kept going. 
Well, that's all the time we have for today here on Grace to the Hearers with Eric Kluth of Calvary Chapel Coolidge. Don't forget to join us next time as we continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Judges. Now, as we mentioned at the beginning of today's program, we'd like to make available to you a free copy of today's message. We can send you a copy of today's message on audio CD when you email us at info at grace to the That's info at grace to the Or you can listen to or download the message as originally recorded at Calvary Chapel Coolidge. Just visit our website at www.gracetothehearers.com. If you can't get to your computer to download or place your order, you can always call us at 520-723-7047. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number to call is 520-723-7047. Again, we invite you to visit our website at gracetothehearers.com where we provide helpful information about our beliefs, service times, and a convenient map to our church if you're in the Coolidge, Arizona area and like to visit us. We would also like to encourage you to prayerfully consider donating to Grace to the Hearers. We are continuing to expand our outreach. A secure way to give is provided at gracetothehearers.com. Click on the Donate button. Grace to the Hearers is the radio ministry of Pastor Eric Kluth of Calvary Chapel Coolidge. Please join us next time as we continue our study through the book of Judges. That's next time on Grace to the Hearers. 